0: What's up, everybody? Thanks for listening to the Fathom and Friends podcast. I'm your host, Adam Tiller. I want to say thanks to everyone listening. As a reminder, please follow us on Instagram at FNFPod. Also, follow our cartoon on Instagram at Beefcake and Butterball. Please share this podcast with a friend to help us reach new listeners. For all the content, go to adamtillercomedy.com. All right, let's get started with some reads from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Taking a Break from social media. Attention all, I have an announcement that's of grave public concern. I've decided to take pause from all media that is social. My mental health is in a perilous state, and I believe that social media is to blame. As a result, it's necessary for me to break away and look in, not out. And for that, I must go. Please do not unfollow me. This episode is also brought to you by eight hours after taking a break from social media. Look at this picture of my silly, silly cat. It's been a short ride, but man, it's been a crazy one. The shit we've seen and overcame, and all of it has made us some hell of a bunch of kids. The stories for the ages of how the hell we got here. You can read it in the pages of and tweets and poems that we left along the way. Every day is something new. I see the look on mama's face. I know this world is sick and it's twisted. The kids never listen. My prince in the system invents on a pistol. I never seen the music.
1: And that was Travis Thompson with the intro music. My guests, they have both been on the podcast before. Uh, You guys, I'm sure, know at least one of them. Um, Excited to welcome my dad, Tom Tiller, and my whatever we figured out, some kind of cousin, Glenn Villeneuve. Thanks for coming on. Good to be here, Adam. What was the official designation again? I can't even remember.
2: Uh, We're first cousins once removed.
1: Okay. I need to remember that for next time. (laughs) And we're dad and son no removal there's no removal correct so we're recording today uh from the brooks range we've been here for about two days it's like a blip compared to what you did out here but it's been really fun we've been walking around uh hunting some moose at least for the cameras and we saw some sheep this morning but we we, both of both glenn and my dad have been on so we're just going to kind of talk a little bit about life lessons, experiences, things like that, that we've been talking about on this trip. So if you don't like it, sorry, <laughs> it's, it's, we're, we've been two days in the woods and uh, it was the best we could come up with. So hopefully everybody enjoys, but what, uh what have you liked most from being out here, dad?
3: Well, it's been awesome. Uh, I've. Uh, wanted to come out here for a number of years I've talked to Glenn for a long time and this year happens to be my 60th birthday and so uh, I kinda designed a trip with some excellent adventures and one with each of my three sons and so for Adam since he knew Glenn and and, uh, had him on the podcast and that all went great we thought it'd be fun to, to come up to a very remote part of Alaska and see firsthand where Glenn spent so much time here. He's not on the show anymore. It's a little bit of a, a, a deal in the past, but it's been great fun to to just hear about his time out here and to get to know this most beautiful part of, of Alaska.
1: Yeah, and for anybody listening, we're going to be cutting up a lot of the footage we have So make sure to check us out on YouTube because there's going to be a lot of video. We're recording video here. We might have some technical difficulties at some point, but I think some of the footage we caught captures pretty well just how, I mean, it's insane out here. It's crazy nice. We were on the canoe today, what, was it five miles that we covered probably?
2: We might have done five miles today and... Uh, for me it's great because i haven 't been up here at my camp for about a year, so it 's great to be back i 'm living a different lifestyle now, but I have so many great memories up here and i 'm just really thankful that you, Adam, and you, Tom, were able to come up because you know you guys are family, but the way it is geographic separation and all we really haven 't gotten to sit down together and have conversations for maybe thirty years right like we 've been doing on this trip so it's really been a special time. It's been a lot of fun and I'm just really happy to have you here. Well, I always love people showing I always love showing people this this part of the world because not too many people have ever had the chance to come here. And it's a special place.
3: Quick question, Glenn. Right now, what what's your best guess as to how close is the nearest person? We're sitting on the side of a just unbelievably idyllic lake in this unbelievable mountain range. Uh, called the brooks range in northern alaska where what, what's your best guess is it uh, across the street is it uh, down the block where's the closest uh, next human
2: it's hard to say for sure when a plane flies over i would say those are the closest people right there <laughs> five miles up um there is a mine over this way now about 15 miles or so um there are probably some people down there yeah uh, but you go over this way it's about a 60-mile walk to the nearest road where you're going to find people occasionally. There's trucks going up and down the Hall road. You know, not a lot of people over there. No town for yeah. probably, oh, in a straight line, it must be over 50 miles to the nearest town that way. To A small village of, you know, 15, 20 people, and there's another yeah. village over this way about 75 miles. Yeah.
3: And we're a couple hundred miles from the closest city of any size, Fairbanks. Right. Yeah.
2: Yeah, we had to take
1: Two different planes to get here. So the first was a caravan from Fairbanks to Bettles. Right? That's that, right. Yeah, the 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 name. The big... it, I've been calling it Bellows the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> but and then the second was after a reasonable delay, we flew from there to uh, just right here on the lake. On a float plane. Yeah. Which was a beaver. Beaver. Yeah. It was we we kept a a safe altitude but i mean we how high were we above the ground at times would you say uh
3: 25
2: feet <laughs> <laughs> we were really low yeah <laughs> getting over some of those mountains and there was clouds above but uh to sum it up it was a big project just to get out here wasn't it i mean we've sure been was. talking about this for weeks making yep. plans and arrangements and chartering airplanes and it's not simple to get here no but it's sure worth it it's it's gorgeous
1: yeah, and it's, I mean, we immediately got out, we, I mean, we set up the tents and stuff and then we started walking around and, I mean, you showed us a bunch of stuff last night and, I mean, I I didn't prep as well as I should have <laughs> for last night. I mean, I, I went to sleep, I mean, my dad was out, I don't know, it was like nine thirty, ten o'clock and by midnight it felt like it was, I mean, how cold was it when you woke up for the lights? The Northern Lights.
2: Oh, it was it was already pretty pretty cool out. I think it was down around freezing or colder. Yeah, it certainly got well below freezing last night. Yeah. yeah there,
3: we saw ice on several of the uh, on everything this morning. It was frost, and uh, and then we saw ice even this afternoon on some of the small areas of water. So it was I would guess it was ten ten fifteen twenty degrees somewhere in that ballpark.
1: Yeah. But when we got here last night, I mean, it was about the same as now. What is it?
2: Yeah, there's a big big difference between morning temperatures and afternoon temperatures at this time of year.
1: I learned that the hard way <laughs> <laughs> to, I, my, my sleeping bag I hadn't figured out all the technology quite yet and I I mean, I was stuffing everything over my head and I mean I'm surprised I didn't suffocate in the sleeping bag last <laughs> night, but it was cold. It was yeah. I mean it was the coldest. I wanted to go out and look at the lights with you. And I tried to stand up, and I just, my feet went out from underneath me in the tent. I'm like, there's no way I'm going out there.
3: (laughs) But it's pretty wild.
2: That was a beautiful Aurora show last night. I'm really glad you got to see it, Tom. First time you saw the Auroras in your life. First time.
3: 60 years old. Never seen the Northern Lights, and what a spectacular display. I heard the audio of you looking at it, because
1: you went out there, and it was a lot of wows. Uh, okay
3: (laughs) and then it was it was cold too so it was a short show yeah but it was it was a lot of fun
1: yeah what did you just go out there in uh a jacket or what were you wearing out there
3: no i just had i had some sweatpants and a t-shirt and uh some uh, boots i think and uh i was trying not to kill myself because it's darker than hell and and we're we're roughing it we're we're not in the park here this is uh not a place you'd want to ever, you know, fall, get hurt, whatever. And uh, so, went out and, and saw them, and it's just a spectacular thing. I got some great photos that maybe we can put up on the on the site or on YouTube or whatever, and so people can check them out. I'm, I'm sure people have seen uh, photos of the Northern Lights, but those that haven't seen them up here is, is maybe as good a place as there is in the world to see the Northern Lights.
1: How often, like, were you?
2: How often do you see them? It's a a real common sight out here, especially at this time of the year around the equinox. So you got the northern lights, you got these mountains you're looking at all the time, even when the lights aren't out, just the star-filled sky with no light pollution at all, and the wildlife like we've already been seeing. I mean, you're just surrounded by beauty out here. That's one of the aspects of this spot that I always loved was just the aesthetics of it beyond the practical reasons i selected it is just very very beautiful and that changes how you feel when you wake up every morning and you look out the window at this it really always put a smile on my face
1: yeah it was it's unbelievably quiet too like when i was bringing all this gear out here i was worried about the wind and and just like us actually being able to do it i mean it's the lake is like glass right now and has been pretty much the whole time and you can see through the... I mean, it's incredible. I don't think I've ever seen anything like it.
2: And it's always changing. It's not a static scene. Like Just from the time you arrived here yesterday with the waves and more clouds in the sky to now it's a whole different scene, and it's always evolving and changing like that, so it's always interesting. Well, you said, what, today is September 12th, and right. they they stopped flying in here on the 19th, you said? I believe the 17th is the last day that the float plane company operates that we went with because winter is just around the corner. As nice as it is right now, it changes super fast up here. And I've seen many times by the very beginning of October that this lake will be completely frozen over. Even at this time of year right now, we could have a snowfall that didn't melt a few years back. It snowed six inches early in September and it never melted. Damn. Yeah.
1: So what would you have been doing if you like say say we were stuck out here for the next uh, undefined amount of time like which we, we may need... be by the way <laughs> yeah, there there's a chance <laughs> No guarantees we're getting out of here. Yeah. but if we if we needed to survive the winter based on what you're seeing right now like what would be the first things we got to do?
2: Surviving the winter would be really tough because there are not too many things out here. I used to have a cabin right here behind me. It was small, it was very simple, but even just that very small, simple shelter with a wood stove in it made all the difference. And the main thing would be getting food and staying warm. So it would be a challenge, but you know, it would be possible. Um, we could improvise shelter, we could get food. I've done it before out here where. I lived really rough for long periods of time, had minimal store-bought supplies, and made it through. But uh, to tell you the truth, once was enough. One winter, uh, (laughs) right on the edge, having a hard time getting enough to eat, it was a great experience. I learned a tremendous amount, but I don't need to do it again.
1: (laughs) We've been talking a lot just on the canoe today about sort of... uh, what's on your radar in the future and stuff. And you've been talking about one of the things you really liked about the show was communicating with audiences and having that, uh, that interaction. Like, can you talk a little bit more about that? Cause like I've obviously you shared a lot of stories and you talked about that in the episode with May about like, you know, figuring out stories and what you wanted to tell audiences. But like, what is that? outside of just the TV part are you interacting with people after the shows and like on social media and like I've I've always been curious what kind of feedback you get from people
2: Well I get a lot of feedback from people that watch me on television and it's just been a great opportunity to communicate with people you know try to teach people some of the things that I learned out here uh, in a lot of cases, people have told me they've been inspired by what they've seen that I've shared. So the communication with people has been a primary motivating factor behind decisions I've made for you know the last 10 years or so. Um, I spent a number of years out here without much contact with the outside world, and it was really important to me to experience that and to learn what I could from that. But I knew that that was a temporary phase and that really... You know without sharing it and somehow bringing what i had learned to that learned from that to a wider audience that it, it really wasn't that meaningful if it was just my experience so mm-hmm. um that's what i tried to do with television was take people along in the adventure and share things that i was learning all the time and experiencing out here and i got a lot of feedback from people over the internet social media, and just in person.
1: Um, All of it nice, I'm sure, too, right? <laughs> there's of no. course,
2: there are people that are negative, and, um, you know, you always run into that, but really, that didn't bother me. I mean, it was that, too, was a good learning experience. So, hey, there's some people that are just in a bad mood, and, you know, that, in some cases, is the way they're going to stay, but a lot of times, people would see certain things on the show that they would have a negative reaction to, And I found, like, just talking to them that a lot of times it it didn't take much explanation for them to really have a reversal of opinion. Mm -hmm. In many, many cases, people were like, oh, hey, thanks for explaining that. I didn't understand. So, I mean, that all kind of goes with the territory when you get into reality television, that you get some negative feedback. But the overwhelming majority of it was positive. And uh, it was always really interesting to see how diverse the audience was too because when I would travel sometimes I'd run into just so many different types of people that said that they watched the show and found it interesting you know it was just
1: us walking at the gun range the other day some guy came up to you are you Glenn like so that was I mean just different you know and you said that that happens a lot less now compared to what it was originally
2: well when I was on the show, a lot more people would come up to me than they do now. But I still, you know, get people talking to me pretty regularly about watching me on the show, either because they remember it from years ago or because they're seeing reruns or they're seeing it on the Internet for the first time. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, at the peak, I mean, when, when the most people were watching it, it, there were there were quite a lot of people that would talk to me when I'd go out. And it was always fun. I, I really like meeting people. I, I never... I didn't have to worry about getting too many people recognizing me. I mean, it's just a little reality TV show. It's not not like it inconvenienced me or anything. Yeah. But it was always fun to meet people. It still is. I haven't traveled much recently out, out of Fairbanks. So when I traveled is when I seemed to even run into more people, I guess. took I took one road trip across the country, and it was like everywhere I stopped, people were talking to me. That was yeah. That was fun.
1: Yeah, I... One thing we were talking about last night to end this morning a little bit was like we're out here and we have basically, I mean, this is the most technology we probably have out here, a couple of cameras and recorders and the sat phone that you have. And you were talking about some of just your concerns about the rate of change in technology and just being away from it for a couple of days, like it feels good to not be connected at all. And I know a lot of people my age and younger, it's like the cell phone is a leash for them. Mm-hmm. And being away from that for so long, it had to have been really weird that every time you went back into Fairbanks, there was like oh. a new iPhone, there was a new website. There was, I mean, is, has, uh, I don't know what question I'm trying to ask. I just I found that to be pretty interesting.
2: Yes, well, my attitude about technology is that it solves a lot of problems, but it also creates problems. So we have to be careful about it and thoughtful about it, how it affects us, be aware of the effect it's having. Because when you're immersed in something, you can lose awareness of it if it's really all you've ever known. Um, now you're saying coming out here, it's interesting to you because it's unusual not to have that tether to the internet and all your connections that that you can make through technology. And that's that's a really interesting thing for me too, is like to go back and forth to experience it, to not experience it. But even like just
1: being here for like a day or two, it your senses start picking up different things. Like when I first got here. I, I don't think I was hearing as much as I heard this morning when I woke up, or when I was walking around last night. And it's, it's just crazy how that affects you. It, it was, it was. I felt like it was so quiet last night that it was almost loud. How quiet it was. I've never had that experience before, and to have that for like months on end, that had to have been
2: wild. And when you have that quiet, it gives you space to think and to process things differently. There's not all that clutter and background noise. So really, uh, fundamentally, I think what is most interesting about going into the wilderness is how it changes your consciousness, how meditative it is. You can really step back and have a, a different view on things that you're normally immersed in. It really, it's a completely different way of experiencing life. If you're out here, Doing the nature boy if you thing. can, if you can let go of all that other stuff, I mean, in some cases you might have to be out here for a while to really let go, but, uh, you can just get into a whole different state of mind. Different things matter to you. Well, you were saying
1: everything happens in these like intense, short bursts too. So yeah. everything's like completely quiet and still. And then all of a sudden there's high amounts of
2: activity. Exactly. There is action and excitement. I mean, it can get extremely exciting out here it really did fast. did a couple of times
1: <laughs> where yeah. we came across a moose and it just went from nothing to 100 immediately. Yeah,
2: there's a moose right there running in front of us. But as you can see, it's a different pace. So there's a lot of time in between to just be more reflective, contemplative, observant of what's going on around. And then every once in a while, there's a lot of action. Yeah. I like that. It suits me.
1: What, what about you? What have you thought so far about
3: that? I love nature. Um, whether it's the Brooks range, whether it's hiking across the grand Canyon, whether it's, you know, some of the great national parks that we have in the country, whether it's flying my airplane and seeing sights that most people don't see. Um, I, I, I too like that, that time to reflect. I like that, um you know, great opportunity to, to kind of see all the beauty in the world. Uh, it's not all on a screen. Um, in fact, most of it's not. Um, and, uh, I'm of the age that, that the more I do it, the more I appreciate it. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's one of the great joys of life to, to, you know, kind of see exciting new places and, not always does there have to be, you know, a million people running around with cell phones taking pictures of themselves.
1: Yeah. What would you have done or what would you do if we're stuck here for the winter? What's your first goal?
3: Well, kind of my my thought in something like that is I don't need to necessarily, you know, outrun the bear. I just need to be able to outrun you, Adam. Yeah. I feel like I for sure would be the first one to go. <laughs> we were... We'd been here for about 15 minutes and Adam thought he heard a bear. Um, <laughs> Adam, Glenn, we call Glenn nature boy. That's his, that's his, uh, moniker because he is absolute expert in nature. Adam might be at the other end of the I, spectrum. <laughs> um, I'm somewhere in between those two guys. Um, you know, I, I think, uh, we have three intelligent, capable people here and we would figure it out. Um. There's no doubt in my mind we'd figure it out. Would it be uncomfortable? Sure, would. But you know, people've been coming here for thousands and thousands and thousands of years, and they figure it out. And we're we're not a bunch of incapable dummies, especially Glenn with all the experience that he's had here. Um, I faced a few problems in my life too, and uh, confident that we'd figure it out.
1: I, I did not understand. I mean, we were walking around last night, and you were talking about how long people have lived in the Brooks Range. And, like, just, I mean, how long did you say it's been?
2: Like Something around 14,000 years, I would say, that uh, people have lived here. They've found archaeological evidence in different areas.
1: And you found stuff, too. Like, you were talking about the the shells that you found. The
2: I found a cartridge over on a mountain here that was... You know, probably pretty early in the 20th century. Somebody shot it off up there. Um, there, There's evidence here and there. You can see that even though it looks like a wilderness, uh, and it is, that it's had a human occupation for a very long time. Yeah. Yeah, people, people have used this area and lived in this area. This has been home for people right here for a very long time.
1: Well, there was that one guy you showed... Where he was at to the you
2: know the yeah before me yes the last person that lived on this lake was just you know uh, a relatively short period of time but there was somebody over here in the 1980s that built a little cabin and spent some time and i'm sure there were people in, in different times before that that came through here and just didn't leave a lot of evidence that they were here but there were definitely people people here off and on over the decades over the centuries and maybe even over the millennia.
1: Yeah, it's it's incredible to me. I just I don't understand how that is even possible. I mean, the fact that you've done it after coming out here, I just I don't understand how you did what you did cuz it even just we're going to be here for what 36 hours total or 48 hours. I just I can't fathom how many different situations you found yourself in and I mean, just walking around, all it would have taken was one ankle turn or one mistake, and you could have been pretty much like barefoot,
2: you know. Well, in terms of the hazards, I always thought, hey, there's certain risks out here, but look at all the risks that I don't face. I don't have to worry about some of the most dangerous things to most people, like getting in an automobile accident, for example. I'm not going to get... Shot. It's not. There's not even like a homicide. Um, You know. There's a lot of things I don't have to worry about out here uh, that are risks in modern society. Yeah. So, I. I never really felt that it was particularly dangerous, even though of course there are dangers, and particularly when you're on your own. You know, there are things that could happen that would be really minor if you had other people to help you out that could be life-threatening for sure can you Which, think of any situations where you well you know what i think of immediately is that that is one of the great lessons of spending some time alone is how much we depend on each other and how social humans are and how important it is to cooperate with other people work together depend on people, for people to depend on you, because one person alone is vulnerable. One person alone psychologically is not well adapted to survive. There are animals out here that psychologically, they're loners. I mean, a wolverine doesn't get lonesome. That's how they live. They get together to mate. The males don't spend any other time with, with the females or their offspring, and they're running around these mountains by themselves all the time. A human isn't wired that way. I mean, a lot of what we think, a lot of what we believe, a lot of the way we feel is dependent on the interactions we're having with other people around us. So uh, really, to me, that was the biggest disadvantage of this spot it's, uh, or of living out in the wilderness. You know, I spent eight years in aggregate over about 16 years time living right here. And most of the time I had some companionship. My immediate family was with me most of the time few times I was here completely by myself for months at a time but I always thought the biggest disadvantage of this location and this lifestyle was the lack of other people that wasn't that wasn't an advantage it was a disadvantage which is crazy cuz I feel like that's like the selling point
1: to a lot of people yeah for shows like that yes
2: people who people that think just... that they're problems or difficulties or stresses in life are caused by other people (laughs) but really uh, well it might seem that way it's uh, everybody everybody needs people I mean solitary confinement is punishment that's used as punishment (laughs) you did it by (laughs) choice kind of (laughs) yeah experiments with it you know Four and a half months, longest I ever went without seeing another person. But uh, those those were experiments. Not It's not a long-term way of life. It's something that helps you to appreciate more other people. Uh, really, uh, I would just um, advise anybody who wants to spend time alone to try it and do it, but don't think that that is a long-term solution to any kind of difficulties you're having with dealing with other people. Uh no that's not the point yeah did you have any questions
1: i've been
3: well i'm just i'm just kind of curious uh adam you know you're a young man um 32 years old what sort of adventures do you see in your future it might not be you know going out on the brooks range but uh When you make a trip like this, you think about some other ways to live. Have you drawn any inspiration or thoughts or ideas on things you could do in your life that, you know, it's Glenn, I think the stories that Glenn told, I think he was in around 85 episodes of Life Below Zero, really weren't so much about, to me anyway, they weren't so much about, you know, shooting a moose or building a bridge or whatever most people aren't going to do that but it was inspiring to people to consider other ways to live their life that's one of the things I've admired about Glenn is is he's not afraid to try different things so many people that I know uh, kind of just float down the river of life and you know they do kind of what's expected and some of them aren't real happy with those choices. Um, and, you know, life is a choice. Nobody twisted Glenn's arm to come out here. Um, but I think he's been very inspirational to to viewers and to those of us around it to, to think about how do you want to live your life. So w- what lessons do you draw from coming out here and seeing firsthand what we've watched on TV? I
1: mean... I guess I feel a lot similar to how you do where seeing someone just like pursue what they want to pursue and not really think about like traditional mindsets. I really appreciate that. I mean, there's a lot of people I know that they, I think we talked about it last night a little bit where it's like the only thing they're thinking about is the next house, boat, uh, shoes, whatever material thing they're going to be getting and, I don't know, it's, it's, I mean, over the course of my life, I don't think that stuff makes me particularly happy. And I'm still trying to figure out exactly what does make me happy. But I know, like doing creative stuff and doing uh, podcasting or doing comedy or whatever is one of the things that definitely does. And so I don't know what that exact plan looks like. I might have to consult your your brother Neil a little bit. Cause I'm thinking about possibly building out a van and living out of it, which would be sort of my version of this, I think, but I don't know. It's, I'm still weighing my options a little bit, but seeing someone do this stuff definitely makes me think like, do I really want to be X years old and thinking like, Oh, I should have done that. And I, I mean, I don't know if that's the takeaway from the show, to live in a van or not. But right. it's...
3: One of the things that I've learned, and I, I don't know that so much was from Life Below Zero, but maybe, I think I mentioned earlier, this is part of my 60th uh, birthday, and so I'm a little further down the trail than you, Adam, obviously, and, and even a little bit further down the trail than Glenn, but he's catching me quick. Um, the real precious commodity in life is is time. Uh, there's not a lot of time. Uh, you know, people chase money and they chase it hard. And I would guess, you know, 90 95% of the people are chasing money and, you know, stressed out to the max and, you know, juggling the kids and the job and this isn't right and that isn't right. And, uh, it's not going great for a lot of people. And, you know, uh, I'm not sure there's a huge relationship, correlation between happiness and money. Uh, I know people that are extremely wealthy that are just miserable, and I know people that don't have two sticks to rub together that seem awfully happy. Time is a precious thing, and and really thinking about how you want to spend your time, who do you want to spend it with, how do you want to make a difference in the world, uh, who do you want to help, how do you want to help them, um, to me, that's, that's, uh, a big lesson and, and it's just reinforced by coming out here. Um, it's been a lot of fun. Um, you know, gets you thinking, okay, you know, tomorrow I got a choice. Well, how am I going to spend it? And, and, uh, we all do. Yeah, I agree. And it, I think
1: going off of that is just who I'm spending time with is probably the biggest thing for me. Like what you were saying about being out here and being by yourself I am somebody that likes to be alone but also being around other people and people that I don't know don't take energy away from you that are inspiring or or interesting or or driven or whatever that looks like It's, it's easy to kind of fall into being around people that are in negative mind spaces and not trying
2: to do anything so I don't know This is a good place to come and just reflect on things, isn't it? Look back at life and think about what you want to do next. Like, Tom, you're 60 years old, and, you know, you lived a very different life from me. But it's just been awesome for me to come out here and listen to these stories you've been telling me about running businesses, being a CEO of a public corporation, what that involves. I mean, it's just fascinating, and I get a lot of inspiration from your stories and from your knowledge that you've gained during your life it's not so much what you do in life, it's how you do it, you know, and just listening to things that you learned that I would never do. I mean, I would never live that lifestyle that you've lived and do those things, but you come to some very similar conclusions that I've come to living sure. my lifestyle. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think one of the
3: things that I've learned, you know, we, we all go through frustrations in life and, and, uh, you know, if this person, would, just, if my boss was just better or my girlfriend or my wife or my boyfriend or my dad or my whoever would just do something different, you know, my life would be better. Mm. And after trying to solve those puzzles for 60 years, I think the place to focus your time and energy is on yourself. How do you improve yourself? Farm your own land, you know. Uh, what can you do today that will help make you better for tomorrow, next week, next year. And that can be in many different areas. It can be in health and exercise and fitness. It can be in learning. It can be in community service. It can be in, you know, hundreds probably of different ways. But trying to improve yourself, trying to, trying to be a better person, trying to be kinder, trying to be uh, more helpful, trying to be a member of society, you know, contribute in some way. Uh, nobody's going to solve all the problems we got we got plenty of problems but you can help on some and uh i think that's a that's a big big lesson of uh of 60 years is uh trying to improve
1: yeah i don't i don't know i i'm kind of like it's funny cuz you were saying you know the meditative reflective environment here like i i've been trying to think of like specific things to talk about for this episode and it's like i just it's been really peaceful being here and i i personally kind of have a lot of noise back at home right now and coming here it's it's like i've been racking my brain on specific things to ask you but more than anything i just want to say thank you for having us up here and you know thanks for you know, setting up the whole deal, and it's been a lot of fun, and I don't know if I want to stay a whole lot longer. A <laughs> yeah. whole winter might not be a good deal. <laughs> but I really appreciate, you know, you coming
2: on the pod, and you as well, Dad. Thank you. Well, you might be a faster learner, Adam. You might not need to stay here that long <laughs> 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 to pick up the lessons you can g- gain from being here.
3: Yeah, thanks, Adam. It's been uh, great you know as as life gets busy and you move on with your career and all the things you got going on it's a great opportunity for dad to spend a few days with son and uh, i've had a chance to do it with you and all uh your older brother and now uh, coming up or your younger brother and that's been a a great treat uh to celebrate uh to celebrate my birthday and um i know you'll promote my t-shirts There's a there's a t-shirt, special t-shirt that I know Adam's going to wear for the pod.
1: Chase uh, designed it?
3: Or... Yeah. yeah. The graphic artist for the for the podcast did it. He did a fantastic job and uh, we just need Adam to model it and, uh, and I think everything will be good.
1: <laughs> Sounds good. Well, thanks guys for coming on. Appreciate it. Is
2: there any final words or anything you guys want to say? Well, no, just thank you for doing the pod from up here. I mean, we talked a couple times and it gets a little stale being endorsed all the time, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's nice to just come out. and
3: Take the show on the road.
2: Yeah. Absolutely.
1: Try
3: something different. Live make from branching. the Brooks Range. Branching out. Yeah, experiment and uh, try to make your life better. And, uh, you know, not everything will go perfectly, but uh, things will improve over time, and it's great.
1: All right, guys. Well, thanks for coming on. As a reminder, everybody, if you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to follow us uh, on Instagram at FNFpod. Also, rate and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, we're going to leave you with Jaga.
3: I just make the way as I don't write them. I can hear the lyrics in my spirit as I write them. Why you want to walk and talk just like them. I can't get caught up in all the hype and the excitement I just make the waves, I don't write them
0: I can hear the lyrics in my spirit as I write them Why you wanna walk and talk just like them I can't get caught up in all the hype and the
3: excitement my wave pool, welcome to my wave pool, 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 my wave
2: pool, welcome to my wave pool.